Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Whitley, and you're tuned in to another Wondering Whitley session. So I said something at the end of the last video, right before this one, or if you're on Spotify, it's the follow-through episode. And I ended the session by saying, let your losses make you hungry, not helpless. And I didn't plan that. It just kind of came to me. But when I think about that statement, it was powerful when I ended the video and I really thought about that. And just a sidebar, again, it's Super Bowl Sunday. So right after I ended that video, I logged on because I was watching it live from my computer uh, and I got right on time for the Super Bowl. And I'm just so happy. It was so black, so hip hop, so for the culture. And it's Black History Month, like it brought me to tears at the end just to see like the evolution um, of hip hop, of the, the, the stage and prestige it's gotten, the influence it has over culture, but also just to see so much blackness. And I think the main person who they wanted was Dre. So, of course, Dre is a producer. He was also an artist for a short amount of time, but he brought out you know, the artists that he had that made him pop even more. So Eminem, Mary J, uh, 50 Cent, Kendrick Lamar. It was an amazing show. It was an amazing show. Very well done. Very um, hard earned. And I haven't told y'all, I think I did mention it, that I've been watching the Netflix, The Evolution of Hip Hop. And it's just really well done. Um and so probably like two days ago, I finished the, they had about three or four episodes of the era of like LA and the East Coast, West Coast beef and all of that. So just to see too how hip hop has evolved, but even Dre himself and how much he's skin he's put into the game, how, how wide his reach has become and then to see him do the Super Bowl today and the pe the artists that he brought out like that, that was just amazing. It really moved me to tears at the end. But anyways, <laughs> back to the statement, um, let your losses make you hungry, not helpless. Um, we all, well, I don't want to say we all, but many people know the Michael Jackson story, how he didn't make his high school basketball team. Well, the part of the story they don't always share is that he didn't make it not because his skill, that's what people say, but he didn't make it because his coach felt like he had natural abilities, but his coach felt like he wasn't passionate enough or like purposeful enough to be on a team. Like there were other people who they played like they wanted it. And so what he told Jordan, he was like, hey, for the rest of the year, Come work out with me before school at 6.30 a.m. And I promise you, you're going to be the best uh, player. You're not only going to make this team, but you're going to be the best player in history. And he did that. Michael Jordan committed to getting up at 6.30 a.m. You don't know what time school started back then, but he committed to that and his coach kept his word. And it's not that the coach could foresee the future, but he knew that Jordan had the skill to be great, but he didn't have the drive to really make that greatness manifest. And that's what he wanted to see out of Jordan. So imagine if he would have allowed Jordan 
to make the team because he had natural skills and ability and he would have rewarded him at the level that he was. Jordan, I don't think would have had the drive to really become great, but since he didn't make the team, he let that L make him hungry to he was like, I got to prove myself. And whatever him and that coach was doing, it built not only his natural skill and ability and honed his craft, but it also gave him a purpose beyond just making a team for that year. And honestly, I just learned that part of his story like a week or so ago, listening to somebody who has a close relationship of it, of him. And they said that that moment, that that small piece that is usually not told. We just told, oh, he didn't make the team and he didn't give up. And it's just like, they'll never tell us he really was actually good. <laughs> then he just, his coach just thought he didn't have drive. He didn't have a real passion for the game. And his coach saw bigger for him. And then that just goes to show too, if you watch the, I, I don't know what it's on. I forgot where I watched it. But The Last Dance, the documentary of Michael Jordan, you will see he was playing college basketball. Then when he got in the league, like they they will become they would come so close to winning a championship and wouldn't win. And the last loss he taught he took, he said, next year we are winning. And he worked 10 times harder. So he was the perfect example of he always took his losses and he wanted to maximize them. They made him hungry. They made him go after even more what he saw and what he knew was possible if only the work ethic was there. It's only that little bit more of discipline and commitment was there. And unfortunately, a lot of us do the opposite. Like when we experience a loss, we like soak in it. We allow it to get us down for extended periods of time. We beat ourselves up about it. Um, we define ourselves from that loss and we see ourselves through this lens of, you know, not getting what we want, not being who we wanted to be in that moment. And we just kind of camp out there and form our identity and live in this place of loss. We stay in the valley when we were meant to crawl back up and climb back up to be on the mountaintop. And, um, and that's unfortunate. You know, we get helpless or we, we think that winning in the way that we see fit in whatever arena of life it is, that we can't overcome that and really actually win. And then some of us, we talk a good game, you know, it is our intention to win, but we get stuck in limbo, kind of cycling through the same things. And I feel like oftentimes this happens if we don't allow ourselves to feel the pain of loss and call it what it is. And I see this most often, you know, when we're in relationships. And I speak of this, you know, very directly and candidly because I've seen it within myself. I've seen it with friends I've had, you know, and just hearing different women's stories, you know, whether I'm on the internet, you know, just hearing about different things and seeing how many times they cycled and put up with the same type of things in relationships. And recently I've been thinking and lately, like I've been going through this silical thing where I like reflect on the last relationship I had and I find myself getting so upset. Like how could I let 
him take advantage like that? How can I let him play me like that? And I'll find myself almost getting mad at him all over again. But what I'm really am is I'm mad at myself for allowing myself to get played. I'm mad at myself for keeping something going that I didn't like for so long, knowing that I didn't like it. I get mad at myself because even though I do believe, you know, when we know better, we do better. It was times where I had the information, but because I was scared to enforce the boundary or I didn't know what would happen if I spoke up in the way that I was thinking, I just kind of held back and I let it go on and on. And when I re look at those moments and they pop up in my mind from time to time at random (laughs) during the day or oftentimes it happens like when I'm sitting silent or when I'm working out I'm like why does this memory got to pop up now but I find myself getting angry all over again and really I'm mad at myself like dang like where was my self-love why didn't I why didn't I believe I deserve better? Like I said, I, I believe I deserve better. But look how what I accepted for so long. And lately, I've been allowing myself to feel that. Not sit there and beat myself down. I'm not telling you to do that. But when those thoughts and stuff would come up, I would immediately like try to make my mind go somewhere else. But lately, I've been entertaining those thoughts. I've been entertaining any question that comes up. And I allow myself to feel deeply the emotions that come with them. And what it's been doing for me is been solidifying. Well, Whitley, now you've done the work. Now you've done got more information. And yeah, that time really, really sucked. That that choice really, really sucked. That lack of action or not asking questions. It didn't work out for you. It, it wasn't good. You didn't love yourself like you thought you didn't. And I call it what it is. I don't give myself an out. I don't try to hurry up and give myself a pep talk and try to say it's something that it wasn't. Like you were just like, no, like you was dumb in love. Your actions were not smart. And I don't call myself dumb, but the actions were not smart. You did know better and now you can do better. And so what that has been doing for me is one, allowing me to process real emotions in real time that when it happened, I didn't fully process. And that's why I still have an emotional attachment to it, because if I did process it, I wouldn't be feeling anything. The second thing it does for me is because I'm calling it by name and because I'm allowing myself to feel the true embarrassment, the true disappointment, the true sadness, and I'm not projecting it on that person's actions but I'm putting the onus all on myself again it's not advocating whatever they did because I was I could still think their behavior is trash or anything but it's making me take full responsibility for my part even if my part was simply you allowed this to go on for this long like the first time you saw you didn't nip it in the bud the first time it happened you know you didn't put boundaries on it what was that about And the more I allow myself to acknowledge when those moments come up, the more I'm able to solidify, okay, Whitley, this is why these boundaries are necessary. This is why you're not crazy for having this level of a standard moving forward. This is exactly why you have to know for yourself this is what you will and will not accept and stand firm on that live by die by 
Like this is exactly what you mean. This is exactly what you want and you will not accept or tolerate anything less. And it's okay to have that standard because you only need one to come and accommodate whatever you have going. And in the past, I will waver on it because it's like, oh, maybe that standard is too high or maybe I'm, you know, going to cut people out. And it's like, I would rather do that at this point in my life than continue to cycle around and waste time with people who are already going to be time wasters because we're not in alignment. We don't, we're not headed in the same direction. And so... I've allowed, I feel like I've allowed my losses to make me hungry to really get it right in a lot of different areas. Right now, I'm speaking particularly on relationships, but I've also took L's career-wise, a few of them. I've also taken L's in uh, my friendships. I've also taken L's just in my personal life. I've definitely taken L's in my finances and trying to get that right. And the more, you know, I'm practicing this, you know, radical acceptance, radical realness in every area of my life. Like, no, Whitley, that that wasn't smart. That wasn't a smart move. That wasn't okay to do. That wasn't okay to say. Uh, No, that was just not a smart choice. I don't think that's something you should do. Yeah, you you should feel bad about that right now because that wasn't okay. And I allow myself to do that. Now, I'm not telling you to beat yourself up because the way that I'm saying it to myself, like I'm laughing, like that's that's me being real. I talk to myself like I would talk to a friend. You're not going to I mean, unless you just super rude. Like I think of what the way sometimes I'm real with my friends, but I'm also mindful of the way that I say things. Like I'm not going to tell them, since you stupid, like I'm not going to say that to them. Now we do have girlfriends who they'll say that, but I'm not, I'm not that friend that'll do that. Like I'm a friend who'll ask a question like, okay, well, you know, what part did you take in that? I'm the friend who I'll be real about asking questions or saying, Hey, like, That's normal to feel that way. I see why you did that. You know, what are we going to do different? You know, so I'm that friend who allow you to acknowledge your feelings and also, okay, how can we move forward? And so now I'm learning, well, how can I be that friend to myself? Like, be real, comfort myself, but the realness is, is necessary. Like the reality of, no, you did mess up. Yeah, you you did hold on to that relationship too long. Yeah, you did allow this to happen. Um, And I, I just think that piece is so, so necessary because the reality is the world gonna lie to you. The world gonna reflect back to you whatever lie you telling yourself. So if you don't practice at minimum trying to be real with yourself and Again, not beating yourself up because that doesn't do anything but make you self-love, kind of give you, make you a victim in your own story. Like it's not beneficial. It allows you to carry shame so you're not able to really see past like your mistake. But just being real with yourself about, hey, that was not a good look. 
I don't really like that feeling. I'm disappointed with the way that I showed up or the way that I reacted or how long I gave this relationship that I knew wasn't working or the choice that I made with my money. Like to be real about that, there's a way to say that to yourself very bluntly while still carrying a a huge sense of, of love and compassion for yourself, but not giving yourself an out or not making yourself a victim or not shaming yourself to the point that you can't be productive beyond your mistake. There's a way to, to balance that. And that's necessary. And that's that small part of being real is actually such a big part because I think that when we're not real, um, whether it's we numb our pain, we ignore it, we ignore that it has affected us in a major way. Um, or we numb it by shopping, drinking, smoking, you know, illicit relationships to kind of take our mind off the pain of what we're actually feeling. I just think that we can't fully heal. We can't fully see those areas that we really need to see that we need really need to work on. Like I was telling my um, my girlfriend today, she asked me how I was and I said, you know, I've been. I've been fairly good, I said, but I've got I've been going through these moments lately, just like I told y'all, where like I'm reflecting on my singleness. And I said, oftentimes overall I feel pretty good and pretty satisfied. I said, but then there are moments and they're so random where I'm like, why don't I have a relationship? Is something wrong with me? Am I ugly? Like, <laughs> you know, like I said, these are the questions I'm really asking. And I said, I acknowledge those moments because, you know, society will make you feel like you need to be in a relationship by a certain age. And because I haven't been in a relationship for a long period of time, it seems abnormal. But then when I step out of that, after I allow myself to feel it, it's like, well, Whitley, you know, are you, is your life unfulfilled? Like, yeah, you want that, but anybody come across that's really like blowing your mind you know like is it life or death so I allow myself to acknowledge it I allow myself to go through that cycle and also be real with where I am in that moment and then I'm able to step out of it and continue to rise and continue to know well when I do have my person it's going to be exactly what I want and I'm gonna know I'm gonna have the strength not to settle. I know that I'm going to have the strength to enforce my boundaries because of the work that I continue to do. I know that I'm going to be able to have my choice, my pick of the litter because of the work that I'm doing on myself inside and out. And so there's confidence in that. And so I invite you to do the same thing in whatever area areas, if you're working on multiple <laughs> like me, whatever area it is, You know, how can you practice radical acceptance, radical realness, but also um, just kind of sitting with yourself and realizing, like, I got to be real with myself if I want to see growth in this area. Like, I haven't allowed myself to really feel this. Or when I do, I like beat myself up and that's not productive. Or I drink or I smoke or I ignore this or I'm, you know, having sex to take the pain away. But I really need to sit with this. I need to really need to sit with my going back. Oh, I was talking about, you know, my singleness because had I 
feel because it's when I when I really stop and think about it, it's not that I can't get a man like men are coming. <laughs> they not what I want, though. They're not my ideal. And that's not because they ugly. They're not successful. It's just like it, it ain't something ain't clicking. And so. If I if I wanted to feel the void that sometimes I feel when I'm in those moments of not being in a relationship, I could easily feel that with somebody that I know I don't want like that. But because that person is not there and I'm choosing not to feel that void, it makes me sit with it. It makes me sit with myself and look at my loneliness and look at the times where I feel like I want a companion and I don't have it. The times that I feel, you know, like I need another person to validate my beauty or to validate my womanhood or to val- validate that I'm valuable in some way. It makes me sit with that reality. Whereas a woman who's always in a relationship, she doesn't recognize that she always needs a man to validate her as a woman. She always needs a man to validate her beauty or that she's valuable or that she has something to offer. She may not think it, but she doesn't know the difference if once one relationship ends, she jumps into another, she jumps into another, or she even has somebody who's fulfilling, you know, itching that scratch that can still like create this sense of being desired and wanted. Where when that comes up for me because nobody outside of me is feeling that I have to sit with the with the emotions of that and talk myself through it and comfort myself through it and I think having to really do that for myself it's made me even stronger to recognize man I know when a man come around it's certain things that I know I'm not going to tolerate because I feel like I'll be stronger to say I don't really need this And I scare myself when I say that sometimes because it's not that I don't feel like I don't need a man. I do. I do. I feel like women do need men. Now, not, you know, for you super feminists who, you know, but in in a sense of, you know, there, there are things that a man brings to a woman's life and brings out of her life when he's the right man. That's a whole nother episode. But I do believe I need a man. You know, in the context that I'll talk about maybe on another episode, I don't want to go on a tangent, but I don't need them in the sense of there are places within me that I sought relationships that now I feel like I'm seeking it for a more whole reason. I feel more grounded. I feel more sure of myself. I feel more um, confident in who I am outside of a relationship that I'm not waiting on a man to validate my beauty, to validate my experience. Because in my single season, I had to confront that. And I didn't have anybody touching on me, rubbing on me when I felt like uh, those moments where I felt like, am I not beautiful? I had to, I had to affirm myself. I had to look at that. And so, um, Yeah. So that just kind of goes back to allowing, you know, your valley seasons, your losses, those those things that you need to be real about, like allow them to make you hungry to really reach your goals rather than staying in this place 
that that makes you helpless, that makes you stay stuck, that make that allows you to keep repeating patterns that you really if you really gave real attention to them and got focused and got intentional about your healing, about you facing your stuff, you will really be in a whole nother season. You will really be in a whole nother level. And I talked about this in the last episode right before this about a year goes by fast and you really do have the potential to be on a whole nother level. You know, your weight be on a whole nother level, your physical appearance, your mental state, your emotional state, how you think, how you want to show up can change within a year, can change drastically. If even for six months you got dead intentional, like laser focused on you, like you, you could truly change your life. Like you could be your own game changer and you'll see everything around you shift and change from opportunities, from ideas that drop on you, from men that are attracted to you, to everything you want just will start to flow to you. I promise you that like things will start to transform just because you're being intentional, being very intentional. You can bypass so much by three to six to nine months of laser focus, of laser focus. But a lot of people, they allow when they fall off to take them off track or they start feeling down and they start filling their lives with you know, fluff and things that don't really matter or they ignore what's real and keep trying to give themselves a way out, whether it's through, you know, things that distract you or it's just a a total, you're being totally ignoring what's real for you. And so, yeah, um, that's what I have for y'all tonight. Be real about where you are. Be real about what you're feeling Um, face yourself and get laser focused on you and your growth and your goals and let the things that you want flow to you because I promise they will see you on the next one